Harper during his ministry. He already has gone through three shipwrecks. So earlier, when he told them uh, in Acts 27, verse 10, that they shouldn't leave Fair Havens to try to make it to Phoenix to winter there, they should have listened to him. But he's speaking out of experience because he has gone through a lot in his own travels. But I really don't think this so much is an I told you so moment as really just him speaking out of the conviction and confidence of what he's just been told by the angel that's going to appear to him. And as a result of that, he's going to give them words of encouragement. If you notice in verse 22, yet now I urge you to keep up your courage. Now that courage, that peace again comes to us when we realize that God is in control, that God's providence controls the winds and the storms. But now we have a second anchor for our soul that can give us God's peace in the midst of our own storms. And that is what he's going to say in verse uh, 22 and 23 particularly, and that is the presence of of God. So look at what he says again. Verse 22. Now I urge you to keep up your courage. For there will be no loss of life among you. But only of the ship. For this very night an angel of the God. To whom I belong and whom I serve. Stood before me. In other words. God manifested his presence through the angel. To the apostle Paul on the ship. So now there is a special, supernatural manifestation of the presence of God that not only encouraged the Apostle Paul, but also enabled him to be an encouragement to others. So the second anchor that we need to learn also is that it's the presence of God that helps give us peace and gives us courage in the midst of our own storms. You have the providence of God that He's in control, but we also have the presence of God. Notice what he says in verse 23, this very night, he probably wishes the angel would have come much earlier. But at this point, this is probably late in that two-week period of being in the midst of the storm. But this very night, and what that tells me is that God chooses the time when He comes to manifest His presence to His people in the midst of their storms. He chooses the exact time when He comes to bring that comfort, to bring that peace. This very night, he says in verse 23, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me. So the angel manifested this incredible uh, appearance before the Apostle Paul and spoke very comforting words to him that filled him with peace, which enabled him to also speak words of peace to the other people. So in times of storms, we need to remember that God is with us. And sometimes He manifests His presence in very powerful, personal, experiential ways. But whether He does or He doesn't, we can know by faith because the Scriptures tell us that God is always with us. 
God was with Paul before the angel appeared. But the appearance of the angel brought the presence of God in a very personal way to him. But God was still present with him all the time anyway. Now don't expect angels to appear before you in the midst of your circumstantial storms. That's not the the modus operandi of angels today. They're still very busy. They're still very active. They're out there ministering. They're just not appearing, apparently, like uh, they did back in the first century. But nevertheless, it's a truth that should encourage us that our God is always with us. We don't need an angel to appear. We can just read the Scriptures and know that God is always with us. That's what I love about the, this season when we celebrate the birth of Christ because how did Isaiah describe the coming of the Messiah? He was described as Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God is with us. He's always with us. And whenever you're going through the midst of a storm and you don't know, you don't understand, you're lost, you're confused, you need to remember the anchor of the providence of God, but you also need to remember the anchor of the presence of God. You may feel abandoned, but you're not abandoned. God is with you. Whether you feel His presence or not, God is with you. Because He's told us that in His Word. In Isaiah 43, we're told, But now thus says the Lord your Creator. And I'm reading the verse before the one that's on the screen. But now thus says the Lord your Creator, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are Mine. And when you He will be with you. That's His promise to His covenant people. In Psalm 23, how many times have we been blessed and comforted by Psalm 23 in times of storms? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. In Hebrews chapter 13, we're reminded of a promise of Christ to His people. I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. In times of storm, in times of chaos, in times of blustery winds, we need to remember not only the providence of God, but the presence of God. God is with you. Again, whether you see His hand, He is with you because He's promised to be with you. And when we believe the Word of God, you can can find His peace in the midst of the storm. I also love the example in Daniel chapter 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown in the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar is amazed. He looks at them and says, Lo and behold, then you throw three men into the fire, and yet I see four of them. And one of them looks as if he's a son of God and they're all walking around together. Christ was with them in the midst of the fire. Christ is with us in the midst of the storm. He's promised He will never leave us. Never desert us. And we always need to remember that. That Christ is always with His people. And why is part of that confidence of His presence 
Because again, this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, Paul says. He is confident of the presence of God with him because he knows he belongs to him. And you belong to him through faith in Jesus Christ. Whenever a guilty sinner realizes that they're under the wrath of God and they want to be forgiven, they want to go to heaven, they want to, they want to see their sins forgiven, and they turn in repentance to Christ alone for salvation, they belong to Christ. Because when He died on the cross, He shed His blood and He bought us. We belong to Him. And that's why you can be confident of His presence. Because He owns you. He's with you. Because He bought you. He indwells you. We belong to Him like the sheep belong to the shepherd. We belong to Him like the bride belongs to the bridegroom. We belong to Him like the body belongs to the heavenly head of Jesus Christ. We belong to Him so that His presence is guaranteed. His presence is always with us. And then Paul also adds, this is the God that I serve. That's why I know He's with me because He's not only saved me and dwells me, but I serve Him. And I have a job to do. My job isn't done yet. So I know that I'm under His protection because this is the God whom I serve. And I might add in a similar way, you and I also serve the Lord. We do it in different ways. But it's part of our belonging to Christ. He gives us a job. He gives us a ministry. He gives us a service. Maybe you're still searching for what yours is. But God has a part for every member of the body to function within the body of Christ, to be a blessing to other people, to serve other people, to bring God glory. We all serve Him in one way or another. Every Christian has a calling on their lives from God to accomplish certain things for His honor and for His glory. And when we stop serving the Lord and live only for our lives, only for ourselves, then this truth of God's presence begins to evaporate. The more I live for myself, the less I sense His presence. Jonah was living for himself, and that's why he didn't have the presence of God. He was running from God. But Paul is very sensitive to his calling, his ministry, his service to the Lord. So in times of storms, we need to remember the providence of God controls the storms. The length, the severity, the depth, everything about it, the timing of them. Secondly, we need to remember the presence of God. And that was manifested in a supernatural way with Paul, with the angels showing up. But we all have God's presence with us. We need to remember that in difficult days. But thirdly, we also have the promise of God in verse 24. The angel told Paul, verse 24, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, for you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. So what's the promise of God given to Paul here? Well, that he must stand before Caesar. In other words, his life was not over. 
And that's why the angel says, he begins his words in verse 24 to Paul by saying, do not be afraid, Paul. And can you hear the, the, the voice of Christ in that? I mean, the Lord Jesus was always telling His disciples, fear not. Fear not, I am with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so the angel is communicating this comforting, peace-filling message from Christ to the Apostle Paul by saying, do not be afraid. Fear is something we often wrestle with. It's caused by a belief that someone or something is going to do us harm or is dangerous or a threat or will cause pain or harm or loss. And so we become afraid. Fear is the cousin of anxiety and worry where we're scared of the future, we're scared of this, we're scared of that. And the angel says to Paul, in a very dangerous situation, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God has more work for you. You're going to stand before Caesar, he tells him. He still needs to witness at Rome so that his job was not done. And then notice what he adds to that. These would have been very comforting words for the crew and all the other passengers on the ship. He says, not only must you stand before Caesar, but behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. So all of them are going to survive the storm. All of the people, the 276, all of them are going to survive the storm. And that would have been an encouragement to all those people that all of them would be saved. Spurgeon writes, Oh, what a privilege it would be if God would say the same to us. If in the night of trouble when you're tossed to and fro, mother, father, that the Lord would say to you, fear not, I've given you your whole family. They shall all be saved. We would not mind how fiercely the storm might rage if, if you could be sure of that. And how happy would my heart be if all that sail in this big vessel were given to me, Spurgeon says, the big vessel being His church, that God would would fill my heart by saving all of them. I should not be satisfied even then. I, I should want a great many more than that. But still, what a blessed thing it would be to have every soul that sails with us saved. And on that note, I, I echo and agree with Spurgeon. May every soul in this ship come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and many more on top of that. The promises that we have, God gave Paul promises that he would stand before Caesar, that everybody on his boat would be saved and delivered. And we also have promises, not exactly like this. We don't have verbal revelations from angels giving us, but we do have the written promises of the Word of God. And we're told in Job chapter 14, verse 15, since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you, and the limits you have set so that he cannot pass. There's a similar promise that your days are numbered, my days are numbered, and nothing's going to steal away one of those days from, from your life. Because God's the one who's in control. And as He promised to Paul that He's going to make it to, to Rome and bear witness there, we have been allotted a certain number of days. We don't know what that number is. But it's been determined. 
According to Job fifteen, uh, Job chapter fourteen, verse five, Psalms, other places, our days have been determined. Our, the number of our months is with God. God has set the limits. We cannot pass those limits, but we can't. They can't be undercut either, and that gives us confidence. Our life cannot end while there is still more for us to do. And God has told Paul that his days would not end because there was more for him to do. James Montgomery Boyce writes, if, if God has work for us to do, then God will keep us alive to do it. And if you have finished the work that God has given you to do, why should you want to linger around here any longer anyway? We may want to go to heaven as soon as possible, but until then, we need to get on with our Father's business. So we have a promise that God has numbered our days. So we don't worry about that. We can't change that number. God has decreed it. We can trust Him in that. But think of all the other promises that we have to give us peace in the midst of the storm. God said that He who began a good work in us will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. That storm is a part of your perfection process. You can be encouraged by that. Philippians 4.19 God will supply all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. God will meet your needs even in the midst of the storm. Ephesians 2.10 where His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has actually predetermined good works that we shall do. And that can encourage us. If our work is not done, He has those good works and He has a plan for us to accomplish them. And in Job 23.14, He performs what is appointed for me and many such decrees are with Him. God has it all planned out. And that can give us great peace. And that's why we see the peace of God in verse 25. Where Paul again says, Therefore, keep up your courage, men. This is the second time he's encouraged them. Keep up your courage. And that idea is to, is to have courage, find joy, find peace, keep it up. Don't lose it. Keep it up, men. For I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I've been told. So now we need the peace of God. And, that, and Paul had it. And he's encouraging them to receive it. We can have the peace of God because God's plan is certain. Not a word of God will fail. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. You can take it to the bank that every promise of God will be accomplished in the life of God's people. And notice what Paul emphasized in verse 25. I believe what God has told me. I believe it. It's going to turn out exactly the way God has told me. Do you believe that in your storms? Do you believe that the promises of God are going to turn out exactly the way God has promised to you? Do you believe in His providence? Do you believe in His presence? Do you believe in His promises? Paul would exhort us, believe it. Believe it's going to turn out exactly as God in His providence and presence and promises have determined for it to appear and to take place. If we believe it, then we can have His peace. 
Faith is one of those components of the Christian life that you don't get very far if you don't have much of it. A little faith will save, but a little faith will struggle in sanctification. We need to believe the Word of God. We need to believe that everything that God has told us in the Scriptures, it will turn out exactly as we have been told. And if we believe in God's Word, if we believe in His providence, His control, if we believe in His presence, is always with us, if we believe in His promises, then we can have His peace. I love Isaiah 26, verse 3. Where the Lord says, or Isaiah says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. See, those who trust in the Lord, those who believe in the Lord, you believe in His providence, you believe in His presence, you believe in His promises, then God will give you His perfect peace in the midst of the storms of life. But you must believe it. If you don't believe it, you will not have His peace. That's why Christ was able to stand up and rebuke the winds and the waves when His disciples were in the boat in the storm. And He said, hush, be still. The wind died down and became perfectly calm. And that's what we can experience as did Paul when we trust and believe in His providence, His presence, and His promises. There can come into your, into your soul in the midst of those storms of life that batter us. This inner tranquility. This peace that surpasses all comprehension. This calmness to our heart when we trust in God and believe in His providence, His presence, and His promises. That's really how you live in the eye of the hurricane. And every believer can find that sweet spot living in the eye of of the storm, the eye of the hurricane. If we focus our fearful thoughts, we lasso them, we drag them back and take them captive and make them bow before the Word of God that tells us of God's providence, His presence, and His promises. And we can live in the eye of the hurricane. We look above, it's clear skies, you see the sun, the winds are calm, even though the storm is whirling all around you. That's what was taking place in Paul's life. In the midst of his storm. And that I believe we can experience as well. Paul was a man who had the peace of God. And because he had the peace of God, he could stand up and encourage other people. I don't know what kind of a person... We become in our own storms. Sometimes I sink. Sometimes I'm windblown pretty heavily. But uh, people are watching us in our storms. And when you have the peace of God in your heart, you react differently. And people see that. And here in the midst of this violent storm, here is, here is a man of God, the Apostle Paul. Yeah, he received an angelic visitation. Got these incredibly comforting promises. 
But that gave him the boldness, the peace to stand up and encourage everybody else on the ship. You know, be encouraged. Take courage. Be at peace. We're all going to make it. We're all going to make it. Because my God has promised us that. And in the providence of God, you're going to make it. Those who belong to Jesus Christ, though the storms come batter your life, you're going to make it. Because He's promised that He's going to perfect the work and complete the work that He started within you. Trusting in the providence of God, the presence, the promises of God, is the key to the peace of God. The others who were full of fear and hopelessness on deck that ship who had already given up, that already lost hope, now found a new courage because there was a man of God on that ship who believed God. And because his faith brought peace in his life, he was able to impart peace to those around him. Is that your witness? Is your life such that when people see you going through struggle times, though, though yeah, life may be ragged and a lot of loose ends, but they see some, some difference that here's a person, they don't understand, they're in confusion, but they're, they're trusting God and they're finding a measure of peace. And people can be encouraged by that in your own life. All of this has a personal application to me a couple of years ago when I found out that I had cancer. So I had to go through radiation and chemotherapy. So for five weeks every day, I had to drive up to Mercy Hospital. And they would stretch me out on the on the bed under this big zapper, this big radiation machine. And once they got me lined up, then all the all the technicians would run for their life behind the protective wall, you know, probably made out of lead or something. And I'd just be laying there. And then I'd, they'd turn on the machine and it'd start humming. And it, I could hear the hum and it would hum for a couple of minutes. And then when the buzzing started, I knew that's when the radiation was bombarding my body. And every day, every single day that I went there, I did two things when the buzzing started. Because I knew at that point, the radiation, the, the living cell killing radiation was bombarding my body. And I would begin by reciting to myself Psalm 23. And when I came to that verse that we read earlier, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. And Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. And God would give me His peace. And then I'd go to Daniel 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego under the fire, thrown in the midst of the fire. And I'm being fried with fire by the radiation at that point. And yet they came out totally unsinged not even the smell of smoke was on their bodies. And I kept praying. I would, I would work through that passage in my mind and the radiation would last for about five minutes. And I would work through that mind. I'd say, Lord, You can kill every cancer cell and leave everything else untouched. So not even the smell of smoke. There would be no singeing at all. Now the Lord in His wise providence chose not to do it that way. 
but nevertheless, it filled, it filled me with a peace because Christ appeared with them in the fire. And I knew that the Lord was right there with me while my body was undergoing that. And some of y'all have gone through the same experience I know in this room. But there is a, a peace, a, a supernatural peace that comes to God's people in the midst of the storm when we get our eyes off our circumstances and we look at the providence of God, the presence of God, and the promises of God. And though things may be all chaotic and confusion and the clouds and I don't see the sun, God can fill us with a peace and suddenly we enter into the eye of the storm and we trust it. We trust God. And we have that inner calm. That's what Paul experienced. And that's what we can experience too because of the goodness of our God. I don't know what storms you have brought with you into this room. But I do know if we imitate the Apostle Paul, that we can find God's peace to the extent that we can encourage others around us because of the depth of the grace of God at work in our lives. So may God help us on to focus on His providence, His presence, His promises, and fill us with His peace so that we can say to the world around us, it is well with my soul. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this violent storm that You sent Your chosen Apostle to endure and suffer. We thank You, Lord, for the lessons that we can glean from His life, how You filled Him with Your peace as He looked to Your promises, as He experienced Your presence, and no doubt fully understood to some degree, at least that You are in total control of the circumstances. And Father, we thank You that from that we can glean the peace of God in our own difficult times. So Lord, help us. We all have storms. We all have face winds that can be frustrating, but sometimes those great violent storms blast on our life. And in the midst of this storm, as we focus on Your good providence, as we focus on Your constant presence, and as we look at the sweetness of Your promises, Lord, fill us with Your peace that we might speak peace to those around us. And we'll give You the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, Amen.